Hey everyone, this is your host, Gons, and welcome to another episode of Startup Conversations, View from the CTO, a collaboration between Table and CircleCI, where we sit down with some of the greatest CTOs in Europe to deconstruct how to build and operate high-performing technology teams. My guest today is Sylvain Vallée. Sylvain has over 30 years of experience working in the tech industry and is currently a principal software engineer at Elastic, the public company behind the Elastic stack, Elasticsearch, Kibana, Beats, and Logstash. Before joining Elastic, Sylvain worked as a tech lead and developer at OVH, the hosting provider, and has been a member of the Apache Software Foundation since 2003. In short, Sylvain is a treasure trove of information. And in this episode, we covered many, many topics, including why early stage CTOs need to be jacks of all trades, the difference between being a leader and being a manager, why you should build software infrastructure on a need-only basis, what the responsibilities of a CTO are, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome uh, to the podcast. How are you doing? How's everything today? Oh, it's uh, going well. Temperatures are going down, so it's, uh, it's a relief. So, good. <laughs> that's, that's great to hear. So, let's, let's dive right in. But before we do, let's start, like, what's the two-minute version of you? What have you been doing this past few years? Just to give some context to the audience. So, past few years depend on how far in time you go back. So, I have 30 years of experience. I've been, uh, and this is the topic of the podcast, I think, co founder, CTO, tech lead in a number of startups. But for the last five years almost, I've been working at Elastic, which is well known for products like Elasticsearch or Kibana, acting as a tech lead in the cloud team first. And for about uh, a bit less than a year, I moved to a different team where I'm responsible for the SDKs, what's called the client libraries. So it's uh, it's more like a individual contributor job, as we as we call it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you said you have 30 years of experience, and and after all this time, and these are sort of your words, you're still hungry and foolish. Why do you think yeah. that is important? Actually, this is not my words. This is Steve Jobs' words when he did the Stanford opening keynote, and I love that. That is, you know. The, the key point that has driven kind of all my career is that I cannot be bored at work. Every time I, I'm, I'm a passionate, you know, engineer. And if I start to be bored at work, you can be pretty sure that in the next six months I will change job or create a new one inside the same company. It happened more than once. Yeah. So basically driven by uh, passion, uh, willingness to, to learn all the time and creating things. Do you have any frameworks for for learning? You mentioned that's sort of, that's been your, your thing for the past 30 years. You reinvented yourself, reinvented your roles. I'm curious, do you have any frameworks for that? I don't think, I mean, maybe I have some unconscious framework, probably. It's always something, you know, that comes in my way. It's, it's both interesting technically and happens to solve a problem at the time where I, I encounter it. So I would say this is probably the combination of both that, that drives me into learning something new or looking at, at, at new things. I mean, it's not formalized, but it's probably the combination of the two that, that, that drives me, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. And as you said, you're right now at a senior IC role, but you did 
sort of held a CTO or tech lead yep. uh, sort of hat a, a bunch of times. So I'm, I'm very curious, what do you think is, or how do you describe the role of the CTO at an early stage? And then how, how, how does it evolve over time? Yeah, so CTO at, at an early stage, so to provide some context, I, I was in CTO positions in companies that started from zero, where I was a, confound, a co-founder, basically, up to 20 uh, or 50 people. So still small teams, we can say. I, I think the main role of a very, very early stage CTO is is to be kind of like the jack of all trades, as, as we say, but not only in, in the technical aspects, but also doing some product marketing, product management, being very open also with, I did a lot of, you know, investor when we were looking for, for funding because you need to have some technical background when investors have some questions. So I was there with the CEO at the investor roundtable providing all the technical details they wanted to have. So you really have need to have this this multi multiple hats, I would say. Of course, my main area is everything tech, but I've always been interested, you know, in non-tech things around products that can range from even UX design, for example, to to how to approach customers, how to collect feedback, and more generally, how to evangelize, I mean, your product and show your love and your passion for your product. I mean, I, I think that passion is something that 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 shows when when you explain it and and helps convincing people yeah absolutely absolutely and then that's sort of usually when you're a small company as you hire more people you set around like 50 or so people how do you see that that role evolve when you start to sort of build your first team yeah so yeah I actually talk more about the external aspects of, of being a CTO. So a CTO, I think, is the main person within the, the tech team that is uh, outwards facing. And then you also have a lot of activities internally in, in the in the company. So as a CTO, you are you should be the, the technical leader. And I say leader on purpose. You're not the boss. You're not the manager. Actually, I hate everything that is related to people management. I'm super bad at that. But being a respected leader, in my opinion, is what drives your entire team. So you have to act as the technical architect, the technical expert, but also as the leading by uh, natural authority and the technical respect that people have uh, towards you. So you you have to inspire them so that they can get uh, involved. and, And it's not an easy task to work in a very early stage company. So people have to Put a lot of themselves in the company, and you're there to inspire them and get get involved. Basically, I would like to to double click on that sort of very important distinction that you made: the difference between leaders and managers or, or bosses. You said, can you sort of break that down for me? I think it's 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 a very interesting distinction. You know, to give an example, something that that also has driven my motivation and interest in my different positions is also the respect that I have for the people who are above me in, in, in the hierarchy. I have very difficult times working for someone I do, I do not respect. Having some respect doesn't mean they are technically superior, but th- that means that they I, I trust their decision. I trust their advice. I understand their motivation. So it's probably more about transparency, openness, and of course, doing a good job in the position in the position that you are in, much much more than giving orders to people that you are managing. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of like leadership by example, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, examples, it's, I mean, you, you, you cannot lead by example when you say, let's say you are people manager, uh, managing technical people, but you have to inspire trust and confidence. And that goes through, yeah, openness and transparency. I'm wondering, do you find situations in which sort of openness and transparency backfires? I, I usually default to that, but I've been thinking about what are the, the drawbacks of being open and transparent and how have you seen that play out with your teams? It, it can be, you're right, it can be a double-edged sword, especially when things go wrong. That is, being transparent mean, doesn't mean that you have to say everything, especially when things go wrong. That is, if the company is not doing well, you, you should not tell everything. I mean, you, you should say that some things don't go well, but describing the entire full picture as bad as it can be can have some very negative effects. So it's also your role as, as a leader, either people manager or technical leader to protect your team and, and, and have them, I mean, not in, a, not in a bubble because they don't have to be isolated from, from the, the reality of the world, but provide them conditions in which they can keep on doing their job well uh, without worrying too much about the future, let's say. Let's let's go back a bit. And, and you said that you sort of developed this very strong interest in, in a bunch of other areas that are not technical. Communication, product, UX, business. Why, why do you think it's important for technical leaders to have such a breadth of abilities versus just being focused on like one thing? Because ultimately you're building a product so that users use it and and customers buy it. So you're not developing for the sole purpose of technical joy, I would say, even if it, it has to be there. But ultimately, you're building a company. And by the way, this is what I love in, in startups. I mean, product-centric companies compared to, let's say, services company is that the product basically is the company. There is no such thing as, you know, different teams competing for resources or having a better customer than the other team or something like that. That is, everybody has one single goal, which is the product and the product is the company. And especially in a very early stage, the company, you're working towards the, basically the survival of the company. So that, that creates a very strong, uniting purpose for, for the entire team. Now, how do you instill that mentality or transmit those skills to your team? Or is that not necessary? It is necessary. I mean, this is something you have to work on all the time. And I would say that for the team, as the tech, technical leader, you have to give people freedom to do their best and be there to help when they need help. But you don't have to constantly look after them, even if maybe sometimes the solution they come up with is not the, the, the one you, you would have favored or maybe it's not the best one. But as long as it works, it's, it's fine. And, and you're here to, yeah, just be there, ready to help if, if they need. And yeah, and, and also your role is also to work on conflicts when there are people who are in disagreement on, on the solution to or the path to take for this or that problem. So you're here to jump in and not only impose your own solution, but listen to the different opinions and help the team make a decision. Ultimately, if the team cannot make a decision, it's your role also to take that decision. But that should be, I would say, the last thing you should you should do. And yeah, most often, if if your team is in a good shape, they will manage to find a, a solution and, and come to an end. Going back to that sort of phrase of leadership by example, 
this could be something like leadership by by empowering or by by providing the right context so your team can make the decisions, not a top down version of that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a strong that, that believer in that. I'm a strong believer in that, and, and also I do think that uh, a technical leader should keep some hands-on activity on the code base, for example, so that you you don't lose track with what people are actually because you need to understand what they are doing and you need to be able to understand the the, the pros and cons of of whatever suggestion they make when there are some conflicts to solve, for example. So you should not be, you know, this high-level architect that only draws diagrams and hands them over to someone who is supposed to translate them into, into code. You, you have to be there inside, I would even say, inside the same open space if you if you work in an office, because then you're you're really part of the group. So it's, it's important not only technically, but also from, a, from a, a communication perspective, because you're not isolated, you're, you're part of the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes, that makes, makes perfect sense. Um, Let's. So you you went from from CTO slash leader to 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 IC, which is usually uh, not a, that much of a common transition. So any recommendations or, or mistakes to avoid uh, for others going through that uh, phase? You know, I know that this is uh, a bit a bit unusual as a, as a career path, and I'm not saying that I will not take leadership or CTO positions in, in the future. You never know what, what things will be. But this is also probably, probably related to the fact that I'm really a small team. To give you an example, for example, when, when I joined Elastic, the cloud team where I was, was 15 people. So pretty small, and which was perfect for me because I, I was able you know, to provide my best on in, in many different places. And again, ranging from working with a product manager or product definition down to like, uh, low-level optimization work or solving production issues when things went went, went uh, down in, in, on, on production. So I was able to, you know, like do a bit of everything, and this is really what, what I like. Now Elastic is growing like mad, and over four years that team grew from 15 to 150 people. So basically, 10 times bigger. Which is when you have. I mean, it, you necessarily have to add structure because, I mean, 150 people, you, you need to have like directions, management, more fine-grained leadership. And I came into a position where I had to choose between, I would say, more high-level tech leadership or hands-on activity. So I went on the tech lead side for, for, for a while because I was already a tech lead. But over time, I felt a bit, too disconnected from the actual work uh, to my taste. I mean, some people like it. For me, it was not the, the, the right fit. So I went back to IC in the cloud team, but then I was frustrated because I was not in a position anymore where I could work on those higher level things. So, you know, there was a kind of like, yeah, imbalance in, in, in I couldn't find the, the, the place where I was happy, basically. So I moved to a different team that is small. We are 10 people. And where, again, I can have, again, this activity where basically I'm defining the product that I'm implementing. So it's really about me, I think, but probably a lot number of people are in the same situation. So so for me, I would say it, it's not like, like uh, going backwards in your career. It's just like depending on the context and depending on time, you can go from one to the other and, and, and back again. And I mean, if, if your company or the context allows that, then... Fine, perfect. And you go back into sharpening your technical skill while you're you're in an IC position that can help you when you come back into a leadership position. So, 
uh, in my opinion, there is no like uh, unique path. You know, you can do many different things. I'm wondering because it's like the default path to keep growing your career is to become a manager and then manage more people and then manage managers and then manage more people. When when there there's this alternate path which is at least equally valid, which is growing a senior technical IC. Why do you think most companies don't sort of get that dichotomy and only think about being a manager as a career progression? So I'll tell you about my early career. So I started working, like I said, 30 years ago. That was in the space industry. So a large, I would say, traditional company working on satellite control systems. And when I was, after a few years, when I was 30, my manager at the yearly review told me, hey, Silva, you're doing a very good job. We're super happy about what you're doing. I was already in a kind of like technical leadership position in my project. And he told me, now you're entering your 30, you, you should consider becoming a manager. And I was like, but no, I don't want to be a manager. I, I, I love doing technical stuff. I'm, I'm good at that. And it came coming for two and three years and... Ultimately, I just left the company to, to, to be a co-founder of a very small startup. So the thing is, it, it, I mean, I live in France uh, and in France, this is the, I would say in traditional company, this is your career path. That is, you should at some point leave the technical activities to become a people manager. That was true, I would say, a few decades ago. It is not changing. That is, companies are recognizing that uh, technical expertise has a, a big value and that there can be a career path that is based on technical expertise. This is something that has been known and recognized for longer, I would say, in UK and US companies. So Elastic typically is a Dutch company, but is very much uh, US-centric in, in its culture, I would say. And this career path is clearly identified. And we can see inside Elastic people jumping from IC to people manager and even back if it doesn't work. The company allows us to experiment. And if it doesn't work, as long as there is a, an open role to come back into an IC role, that's feasible. So that's a perfect environment, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the crazy thing is that the, the other alternative, which is just being a manager, what it does, it takes people from sort of their zone of genius to something that is a completely different skill. Yeah, and you know, I guess you know uh, Peter's principle. That is, you 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 go up until you, you you cannot go up anymore, and you and you become basically bad in your position. And then your job consists in protecting your position. So that's that's the worst that can happen in the career path. And and for me, becoming a manager would be typically reaching that point. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is a fascinating sort of mental model, which explains probably quite a bit about sort of growing organizations <laughs> you mentioned that and as a company grows you need to add more more structure right uh, and you've been elastic for the past five or so years in in multiple roles what sort of practices operating frameworks cultural principles have you seen sort of being applied to build and operate sort of high-performing teams Uh, so I'll tell you a short story about my previous job. So I was in in, in working at OVH, which is a well-known European and French cloud provider. That, that company is also growing very fast. But the management was saying that, hey, with the growth as, as ours, no organization can stand the time. And we have to refactor basically the organization every three or six months. And so that meant like giant reorgs 
all the time and you never knew what was your current organization or how long it would last. So that was quite disturbing, I would say, for, for, for the teams. And that also meant that new organizations were kind of like planned ahead of time without maybe an actual need for them at the point where they were decided. Elastic has a completely different approach. That is, we add structure when we feel that it's, that is at some, the, the, the team grows, for example, and at some point we feel pain because the team has grown too large. So this is when we decide to split it in, into different responsibility areas. That's where we decide to add a people manager for a team so that that person can help the team uh, do, do a good work. This is where we may have, you know, dedicated product manager for sub areas of a larger product. So I would say that the very interesting thing at Elastic is that the organization has grown uh, on a is needed basis, but within a framework kind of that has been defined beforehand. That is more like when we reach that point, then we should consider that. But do not do it now because we have thought about it now. Do it now. Do it when we have actually found that there is a need for it. But we have prepared how we want to evolve if the need arises. Because the problem is yeah. that when, when, when you set up a structure too early, then you have managers that are not really needed. And then very quickly, their job becomes about protecting their own role uh, rather than doing a good job helping their teams, basically. Yeah, human beings respond to, to incentives. For yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what you're describing is like a minimum viable process or a minimum viable structure that aligns and structures the entire team, but doesn't sort of put big constraints around it. And what, what, I, what I thought it was interesting is like you're describing like a decision tree. If this happens, then this will happen and this how we respond. And it's sort of this is planned beforehand, right? So everyone knows what to expect, giving them stability. Is that the yes. rational? Yes. So, well, I, I would call it like evolving stability. That is, do not do big bang reorganizations because those ones are extremely disturbing for, for, for the, the, the people working in, in the teams, but more like, yeah, being ready to, yeah. You, you mentioned MVP, MVP, I would say, it's an evolving MVP and not like pivoting every six months because the, 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 the company has grown. So you see what I mean? That is, if you look at Elastic today, the organization is rather different than what it was five or six years ago, but that has been a continuous evolution and, and, and it has been driven by both learning because some teams grew faster than others. So we also experimented some kinds of organization in, 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 in early growth teams that have been then transposed into other teams. And then when we see that something doesn't work, it doesn't work, we just change it uh, and that's it. You reserve the right to change directions, which is, yeah. it's always useful because maintaining a decision just because you made the decision in the past, like it's a sunk cost. So it's always yeah, good to start from and, and again, we, we can go back here to, you know, openness and transparency and accepting mistakes, basically, or, well, mistake maybe is a strong word, but at least uh, recognizing that maybe the path that you've chosen is not the, 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 the best one. And, and if, the comp if the company is, a, is in a open-minded state of mind, then that's not a big deal. Say the management can say, hey, okay, that was 
a wrong decision. So let's consider something else. And you explain why it was wrong and why you go into another direction. Yeah, I think it's all about expectation setting, right? Yeah. Speaking of, of expectations, you have a very unique perspective as both someone with three decades of experience, technical leadership experience, but also IC experience recently. What, what do you expect of, of, of a CTO from your perspective? A CTO should have, in my opinion, the product vision from a technical perspective. So, you know, you have product management management that has it, has it from uh, more like a customer-oriented perspective. And I would say the CTO should have it from, from, from a technical perspective. What I mean by that is that you, you, the CTO should, I mean, not the CTO, but the CTO and his team should work on, on defining this uh, high-level architecture of the product, which becomes more complex as the company grows. And like communicate and drive and make sure that it is implemented with the different technical teams because in my, in my opinion there are two consequences to that one is technical and one is non-technical the technical one is that you have a system that works it's not like a, a set of you know disconnected pieces that have nothing to do with each other it's a it's a consistent you know thing and the other thing is that you also improve yeah cohesiveness, I don't know if the, it's the proper English word, among the team. That is, everybody, again, is working towards the same goal and they don't feel like they do not understand what the other teams is doing and that what they are doing actually fits and they see where it fits into the larger picture. Because something that can be very frustrating as, as a company grows is that engineers typically at some point will may no longer understand what they are doing is meant for and how, where it fits in, in the bigger picture. So as the CTO, you also have to, to have a clear understanding and a clear communication of that big picture so that people understand where what they do fit in that picture. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the word you were looking for is alignment, maybe? Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious, what sort of writer or book has had the greatest influence in your career or, or maybe your, your life, if you're up for it, uh, and why? I'm not a big book reader. I read uh, a lot of technical books, however. Uh, I'm a big fan of O'Reilly books, which are awesome. Uh, so let me look at my uh, bookshelf here. What do I have? Well, getting things done because time management is a big issue for me. Uh, things around, uh, yeah, Kanban versus uh, Scrum, you know, that more like methodology books. Although I'm extremely careful with methodology that are written in the book. I mean, with the, this is the book because once you start applying a methodology by the book, then you lose basically the, the, the agile, I mean, the real meaning of agile. So you, you have to yeah, pick what makes sense in your context from, from those methodologies. And I also read The Manager's Path. I don't remember the, the author name. It's uh, a woman who worked at, at Yahoo back in the days. And she explains extremely well the different, I mean, the career path between IC, uh, senior principal engineer, uh, tech lead, and then if you want to go into a more a manager a career path. So... She describes very, very well the different expectations that are associated with each roles and, and how you should even prepare for it. Uh, and this also yeah, confirmed that I was not a people manager guy and I, I had to, 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 to stay in the, in the tech career track. 
Yeah, that, that, that makes perfect sense. It's funny, you ended up reading a management book to decide that you wanted to be, be an IT. You know, I would say know your enemy, kind of. You, you have to understand what it means before you, you go, you go that, 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 that route. So that, that's what I did as well. And other than that, also reading books around like deep work. And because a problem when you're in, in a leadership position, position being a management or, or tech leadership, is that you, are, you have so many things to do that you can feel overwhelmed. So you have to find the time to have some deep work sessions, because if you don't do that, basically you use your, your ability to have to, to think at, at a higher level. So it's, it's not easy because as you're leading more people, you, are, you have more interruptions, I would say, more meetings and so on. But still, if you want to do a good job, you, you, you need to have those time blocks moments where you go deep into thinking. And for me, thinking, you know, some, sometimes people uh, were surprised when I was working in the office because thinking means for me uh, putting the, 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 the feet on, on the desk and looking at the ceiling. So people were like, ah, are you sleeping? No, no, I'm thinking. <laughs> that, that and Know Your Enemy are sort of the perfect place to end on. Thank you so much for your time. It was a fascinating conversation. Hey, this is Gons again. If you enjoyed this episode of Startup Conversations, please let us know by leaving an honest review. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this one or find out more about the collaboration between Seedtable and CircleCI, visit seedtable.com forward slash conversations. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time.